I'm lighting my blood. <laughs> Do you know the um the second verse to that song? No. <laughs> Fuck no. I was, I was gonna say I'm a nerd, so I do. No, I'm a filthy I'm a sad, filthy casual fan. I did not play a- my first Pokemon game until I was twenty two years old. That's okay. At least you. At least you found one and played it. I did. Yes, I did. What was your first? Uh, Pokemon Moon. Moon. Yes. Okay. I liked it. Have you gone you back and them. revisited any old ones? No, I have so many games that I haven't played. I know. I have a backlog. You don't of have like to explain. A minimum of twelve games. It may be less. It's probably more. But I do want to. The I can tell you that right you now that I... <laughs> you can't pet the Pokemon in the old games. And that's, you know, a massive that's problem true. for me. Because <laughs> it was my favorite part I about the new one. I think that started with... Uh, that started with X and Y, I think. Right. So you could go back to X and Y. I think you could go back to Omega, Sapphire, and Ruby. I think they included that. Okay. Um, I don't believe. I don't believe black or diamond and pearl or whatever that that next gen was before that. I don't think that had it either. Trash. If I can't pet the cute little oh, monsters, then what's the point? <laughs> yeah, black and white. I don't think had the petting function. You know, you know they how might everyone's have actually. You know how everyone's always like, yo, like, I want my own Pokemon team. I actually did start a drawing of myself as a Pokemon trainer, and I never finished it, but I, maybe I will finish it now that I'm thinking oh, about it. Oh, that's beautiful. Who are, Thank who you. are your six? Oh my god, let's see if I can remember their names. So I have Espeon. Dude, I've done so many drawings of, of me as a Pokemon trainer with my six. Yes. I have Espeon. I have um, Alolan Ninetales. I have, um, I can't remember some of their names, so you have to forgive me. I have... Let's see, I have no, no, two. you said you haven't played all of them, so no. that's totally fine. I have Salazzle, because duh. <laughs> I have Salazzle. <laughs> I have, um, let's see, so that's three. I have the, I have Prima Marina, because I love, I love her. I love her. She's my favorite. She's my starter. I, like, love her. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> and what's that <laughs> big-ass snake? With the fancy eyeliner. <laughs> I get Arbok? It's like pink. It's got like, it's like white and it has pink like eyebrow eyeliner thingies. It's an ugly oh, fish. Um, when it's younger. Melodic. Yeah, I think so. 
I think that's blood. exactly yep. it. So that yep. and then no, the last... I know you may not know your Pokemon, but I know. I, I know you do. That's why I was like Snake with eyeliner. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, let me let me let me admit nerditude to you. I used to play the Pokemon card game uh, like professionally. Fuck like, yeah! I used to go to tournaments and shit. Were you good? I was very good. Fuck! I knew it. I my, knew it. Um, my champion, my champion deck. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never won a tournament, mind you. Okay. Um, but my champion deck, um, I only ever got as far as the quarters. Right. Um, my my deck that got me to the quarters was my Tyranitar deck. That's fucking um, badass. No matter which hand I had, no matter which hand I would start the game with, I would have a Tyranitar on my bench by like round three or four. Wow. Um, That sounds unfair. I would just make it... (laughs) It's extraordinarily unfair, because Tyranitar, what he... What makes him so great is Earthquake affects your bench. Mm -hmm. So... I would not only kill the person I'm up against, but kill anyone he's grooming to replace the person I'm up against. So... Tyranitar using just Earthquake repeatedly is just killing multiple people at once. That's so mean. Tyranitar's an asshole. It's extraordinarily <laughs> mean. But let me tell you, it was my it was my wet my method to victory. How I lost was someone doing the same thing to me but faster. Every time I brought out a Larvitar or Pupitar, it would just be killed like the person just knew that i had a tyranitar deck so he was just like fuck you and the best thing i had in my deck to combat situations like that was like an umbreon and a um i know that zora arc don't know that one zora arc and umbreon were my only other two defenses in that deck but they're not good enough to carry it right so zora arc um he was a rare of the black and white mm-hmm. uh, generation. Um, rare, as in not mythical, but like cool. Um, That's and me. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> rare, you. but I am cool. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Zoroark. <laughs> what makes Zoroark so cool is the fact that he can mimic uh, any other Pokemon's ability. Uh, both in canon and as a game. So, like, in the game, if someone else is just like, oh, I'm gonna hyperbeam you to death, Zoroark can, like, come out and be like, nah, I'm gonna hyperbeam you to death. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm gonna hyperbeam <laughs> And it'll just be really great. I love shit like that, though. I love it when someone's like, I'm gonna do this, and you're like, well, I'm gonna do it too, but harder. And they're like, ha! Huh! Like, <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> Yugi, you've activated my draft card. <laughs> My last, uh, my last Pokemon you. is a little. My last Pokemon on my six is a little Bulbasaur that I don't evolve because I love him. He's Cute also the boy. only boy. He's the only boy allowed on my team. <laughs> Cute little boy. He's an OG. Um, I love Bulbasaur. I love Bulbasaur in the since original I was manga. Child. In the original manga and the original TV show, both Red and Ash had Bulbasaurs that never evolved. As God intended. Well, eventually read... I know for all of the manga I read, which is like the first five generations, Red did not evolve it into an Ivysaur, but I think right. it's canon that it's an Ivysaur now. I just Fine. remember seeing cartoon. Granted, Ivysaur and Venusaur, excellent. But I just, I love that tiny, 
flower Little lizard frog. I love I yeah. love him. I love him. <laughs> I love him so much. Absolutely. I'm like, I love so say so say much. your six say your six one more time. Okay, Espeon, um Alolan Ninetales, Salazzle, Prima Marina, Milotic, I think that's how you say it. Sorry guys. <laughs> and Bulbasaur. Melodic, thank you. And Bulbasaur. I mean, I don't know how it's pronounced, honestly. Like, I don't, I don't watch the show anymore, and it's not like the uh, the manga ever had like, uh, what's it called, um, phonetic instructions behind the True. names. So, like, I've never. It could be Milotic. It yeah. could be my. It could be Milotic. 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 Right. It could Mitosis. be. I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> you you tell me how Rayquaza makes sense as, as a name, bro. Uh, no, <laughs> I got not Generation three Japanese dragon looking motherfucker. You know, I almost Rayquaza's put pretty awesome. I almost just made my team six Garbodors with one or five Garbodors with one Trubbish, and then I was like, no, that's too much. You can't. Do that. <laughs> so the then I just went through and well. I was like, I'm gonna pick all the pretty ones that look mean. I want a team of Heather's, and then I couldn't resist throwing Bulbasaur on there. So I've got Bulbasaur and all five of his lesbian moms. So. Well, you said you said Heather's, and it's just like you're allowed your um, Christian Slater. <laughs> so Bulbasaur's your Christian Slater. True. My Winona Ryder, <laughs> Bulbasaur. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look for. I once did a. I once did um, an in render. I'm trying to remember. I once did an in-render, like, in-engine um, Pokemon illustration, essentially. Like, they Fucking. they released a tool at one point that lets you, like, pick your six and make, like, a... I remember, I think I did it at the, um, the Nintendo store in New York. Like, they what? let you essentially print out your own little trainer badge. They're like, this is how much of a nerd I was um, in, in, po- in high school with Pokemon. Um, okay, but like that sounds awesome. <laughs> and exactly. So I um I have like a little trainer card of me essentially in engine um like I picked the hair, I picked the eyes, I picked the outfit, um skin tone, like everything, body type. Um and then it lets you pick your six and then yeah. it lets you put your badges at the bottom. <clears throat> so at the time, I remember like, oh, I beat the first like four or five games. Um, so I'm going to give myself all the badges for all those regions. And I remember picking my six took so fucking long because I am both, uh, an owner of character and an Mm -hmm. owner of skill. I don't want to sacrifice my love of aesthetic for, for lack of ability to, to have power in, in Pokemon the game. Like I would actually want to be. The very best. The very best, like no one ever that was. That I could be. Maybe not that no one ever was. I don't want to be the best of the best, but I want to be competent. Okay, so you want so, you don't necessarily want to be the immortal godlike Ash Ketchum, like you know, literally taking God into a gym and punching. Or somebody conversely, in the face with 
or conversely, the red from the manga who just has right. everything work out for him. <laughs> right. You want to be one so, of the gym leaders who gets his ass kicked by the main character. <laughs> so you're like the very best. <laughs> but like I want to have style know. and substance. Right. All right. See, that's fair. See, I'm so, all style. I picked purely based <laughs> off of looks. There is absolutely no substance. Espeon and Melodic are super powerful. I um, thought they were nice. And even Bulbasaur, <laughs> like a Bulbasaur at a high enough level could do some serious damage. It's like, like imagine I've... a Bulbasaur that's never been evolved. Like he could probably do some crazy shit. Probably. I'm trying to think of like the types. Cause I've got one psychic, one fire poison, and then two water, one grass. I can't remember what a nine tails is fire fire all right so yeah it's you know two fire two water nine one tails psychic, is a good grass. fire that's not too terrible nine tails is a good fire choice too i'd say nine tails is just as powerful as any it looks magmar fluffy. or rapidash you know like they they know the same abilities it looks um, like a nice dog magmar, magmar is super powerful oh yeah no it's a super cool pet <laughs> And it's the my whole nice nine dog. Tails, the whole nine tails thing is also like um, Japanese cultural, like kind of spooky and cool. Yeah, so. it looks like it also just looks fluffy. I'm like, I just want to like. It's absolutely I just fluffy. Hug its, Look at those fucking wanna, tails. Like, exactly. I just want to like peacock wrap my dog. arms around its tails and just squeeze. It's it. a peacock <laughs> dog. It is both pretty Fuck, yes. and f- fucking fluffy. Exactly. So. Yeah, everything I ever wanted. <laughs> my six. Um, yes, are, tell me your six. Uh, my six are pretty interesting. Um, Prove I it. would say I would say my first one is always going to be a Charmander. Um, That's valid. But I would allow the Charmander to evolve as it so chooses. If it wanted to remain its entire life a Charmander, I'd accept that. But if right. it if it ever wanted to turn into a Charmeleon or Charizard, like if if it was ever compelled, like the manga kind of presents it, like it's a Pokemon's choice to mm-hmm. evolve. That's um, cool. Um, that's kind of how the manga puts it, at least. Um, it's very right. it's very attitude driven. Um, like. You know how, like, Goku can just decide to go Super Saiyan? Right. And he, he just screams a whole bunch, and he's like, oh, yeah. my hair's yellow now. Like, that's yeah. that's how Pokemon, except they stay in that form. So they're just like, oh, I reached a whole new, I've grown up as a thing. But, like, yeah. some Pokemon don't ever change, and that's okay. Because um, that isn't for lack of skill. So in my in my top six, I always tell myself I have a Charmeleon. Right. He doesn't quite want to turn into a Charizard, but he's not a fucking child. <laughs> like, right. He has a little See, bit of attitude. Um, he's like a but little... at the same time, he could learn Flamethrower. You know, love like, he's it, crazy. Love it. Um, conversely. Bulbasaur is, Bulbasaur is my infant. <laughs> that's okay. Because conversely, my number two is Totodile. Okay. Okay. Totodile... Uh, Totodile is a Gen 2 starter, so you might not know him. I but actually he's this do little know dancing him. crocodile. Yeah, exactly. And for the life of me, I was like, I was like, me to this Totodile? 
don't ever change, bro. Don't ever change. Like, I, I could just I see me. Him. I could just see me being just like friends with this little dancing alligator. Like, that's just that. That's hilarious. It's perfect. It so, fits you so well. So, <laughs> but at the same time, like, I tell myself in my top six, he's a totodile. But at the same time, if he was a for alligator, he would be badass. Mm-hmm. So, like, totally his choice. In my head, I tell myself it's a totodile and will always stay a totodile because why the <laughs> fuck not? Um, my number three is pretty weird. Um, Aerodactyl. Okay. Um, I'm gonna he's look a Gen up. One fossil. Okay. My idea behind that is I always assumed Aerodactyl. Um, he's like a giant, like dragon pterodon. Okay, guy. I can see him. He got a big ass mouth. What? Yeah, mouth I do? mean he's he's essentially a dragon. Um, okay, but he's not as but he's not as um, stereotypical as Charizard. Okay, um, and. My reason is almost uh, because of the the manga. Um, Red has an Aerodactyl for a couple arcs, and it's always been like a baby, like a little tiny Aerodactyl. Um, Whereas I imagine having like a giant, old, wise dragon Aerodactyl, where like he was a fossil. He came from a fossil. So for me, his voice is Sean Connery, and he's just like, ah, yes. I am the one you called to, to action. I am the one. I am here to do your bidding, my master. And like, um, he's just he's just super regal and super like he has tons of. Uh, he's very um he's very principled. Fuck he has yeah. manners. Um, but at the I same time, he's him. a terrible he's a terribly imposing threat because he oh, yeah. is one one of the largest Pokemon in existence. I mean, not talking like Whalmer, but like a big fucking like as big as your house. Yeah, it's pretty um, pretty fucking big. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, Aerodactyl is pretty fucking cool. My number four, um, I I'd want to cover. Um, the bases, so I'd go with um, Torterra. Okay. Um, I for my th- look up for my that. um, I think he was fifth gen. Okay. Fifth yeah. gen's starter was um, a turtle, a monkey, or a penguin, and I did all of them. He's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> Torterra is the third stage of Turtwig. So I would have this adorable little funny little apple turtle. I was about to say he's she's shaped like a friend. He's so tiny. Exactly. He's just he's this cute little guy. Um and he'd eventually turn into Grodel, which is this little turtle with um bushes on his back. Mm-hmm. And then the third stage is this giant turtle with a fucking mm-hmm. mountain and a giant tree on his back. Um and and apparently they were to grow, you know, like 13 to 20 feet big so part of me is just like he'd be like my walking house yeah i would literally sit on his back and build like a tent and just let my (laughs) let my torterra walk around as much as he wanted yes he would be my like rv but that would mean that he is strong that would mean that he is weathered that would mean he is knowledgeable like true in, in my head my torterra is like being friends with my car 
which is like like the oh man we've been situation. through a lot together haven't we buddy <laughs> listen my parents used to make fun of me because i get so emotionally attached to my cars it's not even a joke <laughs> oh no i i'm the same way i've only ever had two cars in my entire life and that there's a reason mm-hmm. behind that <laughs> same i'm on my third car now and i'm still getting used to her but all I my have cars a couple have more old years, lady but i'm gonna be in the same boat <laughs> um if i What's were to fifth? pick yeah if i were to pick my fifth i'd i'd go uh haunter okay yeah that's um, classic i like that i need to cover my spooky tracks mm. um and they are very funny like they ghastly are. haunter gengar are very humorous Gengar um, used Pokemon. to just Gengar used to just disturb now, the shit out of me. Now, I feel like now he looks I will like he say Gengar is a little rapey. <laughs> like, yeah, he just his, like, he knows he's got too much going on in that face. It scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Gengar is a little rapey, but I will support it if that's where my haunter wants to go. But I would, I would say in my top six, I have a haunter. Right. Um, the last one. I fluctuate between a bunch because there are just some Pokemon I gravitate to. Okay. Um, if I were to actually pick one, I'd have to say Lucario. All right. Yeah. Um, to complete the sixth, I'd want something that's good at fighting and something that's good at defending. Um, something that's agile, mm-hmm. like essentially something that could take down anything. Like I right. want, I'd want one of those. Pokemon and much like Zoroark, um, he's not mythical. He's not a god. He's not Arceus, but okay. he is. He is like rare. He is cool. Yeah, you know, cool, um, but Lucario not. Lucario is just a solid. He's just a solid. You know, tank of a Pokemon. So right. It's like having. Uh, it's just like having Jet Lee on your fucking six person <laughs> squad. He's just like you know he can never do wrong. Right. Um, but it does fluctuate because stylistically, I love Scyther and yeah. Caesar. They're fun you. hands. Um, I just think they're crazy cool looking, uh, like right. bug Pokemon. Um, I also like Skarmory. The idea mm-hmm. of a bird made entirely out of metal is just badass. Pretty sick. Um, he's also he's also like he's not mythical, but he's like rare, so he's therefore mm-hmm. cool. Um, that's like, that's like a new thing I'm going to say about Pokemon. Like, because they are rare, they are cool. Um, I like Heracross a bunch. Just a fun little beetle boy that, that drinks honey all day. (laughs) You know, I, I have like really mixed feel because like, I do like bugs. Not to sound like a freak, not to sound like a fucking freak. No, I don't, I don't hate bugs either. I, I do. I like bugs. However, there are specific bugs that I, like, I, I never feel just like, well, that's not true. I do have some neutral bug opinions, but I really feel like I'm either like, oh, cool. Or I'm like, get the fuck away from me and I will destroy your bloodline myself with my hands. <laughs> like, I, there's like nowhere between. That's, Cockroaches, man. It is, it's a, bla- <laughs> it's a black and white world. There- I hate them <laughs> i kind of understand that i kind of understand that i mean i've i've had some like, i don't know if i'd react trauma. the same way but i've had, I've had some cockroach related trauma so i'm like uh just 
Ugh, hate him. At the Every end time of I the day, I still don't smack. try to like kill anything. Like I don't, I don't want to. Like, at at some point, you gotta kill a fly or two because they just don't serve right. any purpose. But like, no. Um, <laughs> but like when it comes to when it comes to bugs, there are only so many things that I absolutely like move on. I I like rule death on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, I saved bees, I saved hornets, I've saved wasps, I've saved spiders, I've saved um, tons of little insects from death. But... I'm cool with spiders. I Wasps, I have a very, like, if you don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you. But the second you come near me, all bets are off. Like, it's... <laughs> That's fair. They, That's they fair. challenge me. Like, In my <laughs> experience... In my experience, the hornets I've dealt with, I've saved a good many hornets in my life. Um, I'd say the hornets I've dealt with haven't been very hostile, actually. So I usually manage to capture them and move them somewhere else. Um, The past, like, three houses I've I've lived in had problems with hornets. So it's something I deal with on a pretty average basis. Mosquitoes are instant death for me, also. Agreed. Those, mosquitoes uh, those are, fuckers, mosquitoes I, are on my instant death list. My kill list. I, I grew up in the South, man. Mosquitoes are... I'm not about it. I can't. And I have, like... I, apparently, I have especially delicious blood or something. Because I'm, like... You, you know, <laughs> nice. I'm, like, that person where everyone else is, like, fine. And we're all sitting outside together. And you're together, getting torn the fuck up. And I'm getting annihilated. They're just feasting on my flesh. And for I some reason... I used to have that problem, but recently I have. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe it's all the chicken nuggets I'm eating. <laughs> chicken nuggies. <laughs> it's all the chicken nuggies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Let's be real, that's all we've I fucking talking, eat. We've just... We, you get a you get a blunt on me and start talking about anything, and I'll just fucking run with it for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, True. Dude, I'm here with Cannibal Siren. We've been talking about fucking Pokemon for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> As to uh, distinguished lo- adults. I have such a loved, loving and, you know, historical relationship with Pokemon, man. Like, you know, it, it, it was my first, like, it was my personal, like, first video game, like, I feel like I ever committed to. And right. I was fucking four. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane, that I'm, but in a good way. That I'm sitting there with my, like, dad, and, like, I get, like, Pokemon was 1996. I think Game Boy Color was, like, 1998 or something. Mm-hmm. I just remember being, like, six and getting, like, my my first Game Boy Color and my copy of Red, of, mm-hmm. of the original two, Red and Blue. Um and I was just immediately fucking drawn into it, man. Right. Like, I learned how to draw Pokemon. I learned everything about them. Like I said, I played the card game. I watched mm-hmm. the movies. I eventually read the manga. Like, I I have been a lifetime Pokemon fan. The only thing that had killed it for me recently is someone stole my 3DS, so I haven't had oh. one since... Uh, I haven't had a Pokemon game since X and Y. Well, having played Moon and having it been the only game I've played, well, I played. No, what was, I know, I, I know. I played Moon and I played Let's Go, but I played that on like a friend's console for like ten minutes, 
And sure. it was pretty fun. I was thinking about getting sword or shield. I'm not sure which one I'm going to get yet, but... I got I my brother um, sword things. for Christmas, and he mm-hmm. he really liked it. He got through it pretty fast. Right. Um, I remember loving why. Um, mm. I just know that... I don't know, like... Um, Here's how much of a nerd I am. I didn't I didn't even like play the newer games, but I've looked at like all of the new Pokemon. I've like mm-hmm. I've like studied them and I've been like, "Oh, that's pretty <clears throat> cool that they went in this direction this season, you know? Like I've I've followed the TV show from a from an outsider perspective. Like I don't watch the episodes anymore, but I know like what's going on with the plot." Mhm. And it's just and it's just to see the interesting moments because whenever they get into a tournament arc, you know mm-hmm. it's like the best fucking thing because all it is is cool Pokemon fights. Right. So honestly, see, um, <laughs> I've I've been a lifetime Pokemon nerd. See, I'm like I'm a more I'm a recent nerd, but I'm also as you know you know I got into games in general when I was like 16 because I wasn't allowed to have them as a kid despite having an extremely <laughs> nerdy mother. I'm actually about to buy her Okami um, for Mother's Day. That's amazing. It's a great game, and I know she's gonna fucking love it. She's been she has been up my ass because I haven't beaten Breath of the Wild yet. And every time I call her, she's like, "Did you beat it yet?" She's beaten it like six times. She's like, "Oh, Oh like you're stuck in the camel. That's because you're a failure. You're gonna video chat me, and I'm gonna tell you how to do it." Like that's how that is hilarious. I I haven't beat Breath of the Wild yet. She's oh my god! I haven't. It's amazing. I love the game, but I have to. I have to beat it. I just got Animal Crossing too, so I'm like, you know, fucking. I see your. I see your stuff on Facebook all the time. Hey. <laughs> no, Listen. I I love it. I think everyone. It's I think so the. I I might not like. I played um the one on the GameCube for literally like a half an hour. Right. Um. I never owned it. I just played it on someone else's <clears throat> console. And, like, I'll never really have that, like, that love for it. But mm-hmm. I look at what people are sharing, and I look at what people are doing together, and I can't help but just think, like, oh, man, that's wholesome. Yeah. That's fun. I, it's actually like, my first Animal guys. Crossing game. So I've been, I have been and really enjoying it. that's even cooler. Like, that's even cooler. <laughs> because you, you went into it with nothing but a love for its aesthetic. And yeah, then you were exactly. Just like, oh, this is cool. And then I ended up with this fucking gorilla on my island, and he's my best friend, and I love him. His name is Louie. <laughs> <laughs> and I would die for him. <laughs> I got this I blue penguin name. It's crazy. People are insane. I think that's why I love the fandom because it's like. It's like equal parts like <laughs> wholesome and adorable and friendly and sharing, and then it's equal parts like insane and like murderous and bloodthirsty, <laughs> and I love oh, it. Oh, totally. I've um, if if honestly, it's pretty funny that we talked about it because I've actually read, um, Animal Crossing No Sleep before. Ooh, I could read an Animal someone, Crossing No Sleep. Someone ran with the narrative that um. <clears throat> Tom Nook was like overseeing this like anarchy um and uh apparently like had connections to like some type of satanic cult Excellent. and that's what those that's what those <laughs> statues the statues are like a uh, example of like things that have 
that that he's done that to to people or animals like essentially it's like just <laughs> one spooky Tom Nook story. That checks um, all my boxes. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I remember reading that in like high school, and then I remember like talking with my friends about it. Like, how do you feel about the fact that the game you guys like so much is like a uh, satanic? It has like all of these like horrific undertones, and they're all like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> Everyone was like, shut the fuck up. Have you played an Animal <laughs> Crossing game? There is nothing creepy about it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, alright, be that way. Really? Whatever you say. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. No, stop winking. <laughs> um, uh, I'm here with uh, Cannibal Siren. Hi. And uh, I'm cracking, I'm cracking a drink. Uh, because I have, uh, I have my fine, fine wines. <laughs> what, what wine are you drinking? Uh, it is eight dollar barefoot Moscato. Thank you for asking. Eight dollars. Eight dollar barefoot Moscato. Uh, is I, it? A, it's the pink Moscato. Yeah. <laughs> it's my sister. It has uh, undertones of cheap. <laughs> that's my sister's favorite wine. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> that shit cheap and i'm a barefoot pink bitch. moscato it is yeah no, Mosca- i've had it myself it's very tasty i do moscato and rosé because i'm like i just love sugar i got a sweet tooth i mean granted i'm the kind of totally. person who will drink anything that's free but it's like <laughs> you know if i'm gonna buy it for myself Fair enough. i want it to be sugary Although I have slowly been getting into like uh, you know ciders and craft beers and things like that, That's I've exactly been enjoying what I'm those more because I'm the same fucking way. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I just like something <laughs> sweet. Yes. I'm drinking a cider, boys. OG. Blue Crack Lincoln. open a cold one. Ah, <sighs> uh, cannibal siren. Captain Death. Cannibal, cannibal, cannibal <laughs> siren. Captain Death, if you will. I <laughs> <laughs> Captain. Allow me, to, <laughs> allow me to break out my worst accent. <laughs> you are, um, you are always able to break that out. You've come to the right place. Um, I'm God, here I'm with Cannibal Siren. Um, we, the last thing we did together, um... I want to say this is 161, I would say like close to 20 episodes ago, maybe 20 episodes ago. Something like Um, that. We did a series together. I think it was three parts. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a fun little exorcism uh, series, put a lot of possession. Um, some, Some good boys were lost. Some really good boys. Emotionally who didn't react. deserve it. <laughs> who didn't deserve it. Uh, what is it? Justice for T-Way? Justice for T-Way and justice for Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Uh, we're here to, to do something different. Something sexy. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's the original. <laughs> I think your I think your first episode was uh twenty four or twenty five and then your next one was thirty nine. Um mm-hmm. I think we're we're hearkening back to those first two episodes here. Indeed. Um 
we're doing uh, an old school show where we hop around two different sources just reading some short stories. It's going to be fun. It's been a while since I've done this. It's not quite like... um, The closest I've gotten to doing this recently is um, a toast episode Mm -hmm. uh, with my brothers. And toast uh, and uh, not hot but spicy. um, uh, Not hot but spicy episodes are kind of just like reading stupid short little stories and they're always like less than five pages so getting getting to actually put our teeth into some like i would say like a little bit more dedicated Mm -hmm. short stories um somewhere around like the six to ten page uh atmosphere uh you know you get a little bit more oomph yeah. You care a little bit more. A little um, punchier. They are. They they take they take more time, you know, they have more time to develop, but it's mm. not like a, a huge series and it's not like a huge story, so you don't have to like commit. You just have to follow along for the little ride that you have. And right. we're kind of getting back to your first couple episodes because we're reading a source that I haven't read in like a hundred episodes. Um Okay. I remember talking about this website with a couple people, and this website was something I talked to you about on our first episode, I believe, where mm-hmm. the way this website was set up was like an old school desktop, and right. what we were clicking on are these little text, like word text um, mm-hmm. documents with these stories on the inside. And the, the mm-hmm. website was called Stories to Read Alone at Night, and I don't even know if it exists anymore. But um, they had a lot of cool original horror stories just there. And um, we read a couple um, on your episodes and I think another on um, a Gestalt episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, these stories have always been really interesting. They've never been um, bad. I find that the quality is good. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't always have that punch. I remember um, being terrified of one yeah. of the stories that we read. The the, <clears throat> the Anna one about yeah, um, but- the, ice, <laughs> the ice skater with the website. Yeah, that um, was a little unnerving. I remember being... Her story I actually, was told um, and then it was connected to a Wikipedia page with like a yeah. pretty scary picture. And see, it's funny that you bring that up because I listened, I was listening to um, the podcast on a road trip. Um, <clears throat> That's in, awesome. What was it? It was back in November, actually. Shit, because that was the last time I fucking went anywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> Fair. I was like, I, you know, I needed to kill like, you know, seven hours by myself. So I was like, okay, sick. I'll listen to this. So I just was, you know, going through and then I listened to our first, because uh, I just started from the top and I listened to our first um episode so i was like okay yeah i want to hear myself so this is actually more fresh in your memory i sneak yeah it is and i remember listening to it and i was driving and i remember because it was nighttime and i was like by myself and i'm listening to myself and to you like read this you know fuck how long ago now like years ago and it's like if, if, if it was the first 25 episodes i'd say it was three years ago yeah three years ago right so i'm listening to us read this three years ago i'm driving by myself at night and I was just kind of like, this doesn't feel too good. This is spooky. <laughs> I was like, mm. 
I was like, ooh, <laughs> that's uh, that feels bad, man. I'm feeling a little nauseous. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I, I was. And it was that specific story because I remember just being so like, like, I don't much care. Like, oh, that that's one. unsettling. And it's almost like we discovered it together, you know? Like, yeah. we we went through it together and we were just like, that didn't feel right. Like, it almost felt real. It did. Like, it we felt were very really real. seeing someone who, who had their life fucking ruined, you know? Like, ruined. Uh, by some man it's it's a pretty haunting story (laughs) and and here we are just talking about it this guy actually wrote a bunch more stories and um we have three to choose from let me give you um i'm excited some titles um i want the first one and i want you to read this one it's called um notes on a story it's by stories to read alone at night um and I think it's a teacher reviewing a document that a, let's just say, um, problematic student wrote. All right. I'm ready. Let's do it. <clears throat> Ahem, hem. Allow me to sip my beverage. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's uh, okay. This is, this is, this is for everyone. Uh, we're about to start our first story. Everyone take a nice swig. Or as I'm also going to do, uh, relight my blunt. I was about to say, a delicious... (laughs) A delicious delicious inhale. (laughs) A delicious inhale or a delicious rosé. Maybe I'll crack open the rosé later. Let's see how this goes. Mark. I read over your story like you requested. To be honest, I think you need to step back and rethink some of your decisions. <laughs> me and me. <laughs> right now, it's way too complicated for a story. You've gotten me to ugly laugh like four times today. <laughs> this is why we don't hang out. <laughs> I just, I just like, I just, I bring out the, the hideousness in people. <laughs> no, it's just a genuine laugh. <laughs> It's because I'm funny. (laughs) 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 I'm going to start over. (laughs) Mark. (laughs) I read over your story like you requested. To be honest, I think you need to step back and rethink some of your decisions. Right now, it's way too complicated a story for about a demonic teen mascot. You're focusing too much on facts and trying to justify the story. You don't need to do that. The audience will simply accept the existence of a monster because we do it every day. Be it a serial killer or a passive-aggressive co-worker. It's a pretty fucking intense comparison. It's a wide spectrum. (laughs) The spectrum's wide, it's wide, you don't know what. (laughs) Everyone knows what the word (laughs) is. Same thing. It's more likely than you think. (laughs) Everyone knows that the world is a treacherous place and they are always ready to add another monster to the list. It's an evolutionary byproduct. Do you remember when I took that job as a production assistant after graduating? Well, I spent a good part of that job sorting through paperwork for a documentary on the birth of LA. It was supposed to air on public television, but the director, Pulley, ran into some health issues and it was never completed. 
I remember being in the lunchroom one day when Polly asked if he could sit at my table. We chatted and I ended up asking him why he chose to be a documentarian. He told me when he was younger he'd experienced something that he could not explain to this day. He grew up in a suburb of Minneapolis and had a few family members who still farmed for a living. When he was old enough, he'd spend part of every summer at a relative's farm to help out with the chores and such. He had this one older uncle who was a bit of an eccentric. I guess the guy lived alone on his little farm way out in the country. The land was littered with old cars and equipment and all sorts of weird old things. One day, Pulley's in the barn trying to find some tractor parts when he comes across an old movie projector and some canisters of old home movies. The movies are all labeled things like Christmas or Wedding, but there was one camp- canister that simply read Devil. Sounds good. Pe- yeah, okay, sure, let's just open that shit the fuck up and watch it. I'm sure nothing bad is there. Let's not watch Christmas. Let's skip um- right to Devil. <laughs> Wedding? Who gives a fuck if you got married? Anyone can do that. that. Who else can make a devil devil. up here? Unbelievable. Fuck. This piques his interest, so he asks the uncle what's on the film, to which the uncle replies that it is indeed the devil. Thanks for clarifying, uncle. Great. Then he... (laughs) Great. Perfect. Let's watch it. Then he tells Polly (laughs) that he's too young to see that, but that he'd let him see it when he's old enough. I'm already nervous. So a couple of years pass, and the uncle is now quite old and not able to keep up the farm, so he decides to sell the old place and spend his remaining years in the city. That summer, Polly was sent to help sift through all the old stuff and see if there was anything that could be sold at auction. One night after dinner, Polly gets the courage to ask about the film, and uncle agrees that it's probably high time he saw the devil for what he truly is. Fuck, okay. <laughs> so he sets up the old projector, and the film begins. It's just the gonna be like an old white guy dancing. I mean, that's accurate. Can you think of anything so, let more? Let me tell satanic? you, son. There's a lot wrong with this film. That's the <laughs> devil. That's the devil. He's out there shot It's the white man. It's the white man. We both. That's real, though. Just saying. If the devil exists, there is I, no I'm not way joking. He's anything but white. <laughs> I'm not joking. Hundred <laughs> percent. He's a white guy in a suit, and I mean it. Just giving him the razzle dazzle. You better believe it. The film opens inside an old bar. At first, it's just a couple of old pickup trucks with their headlights illuminating the room. Then a crowd of men enter in the single file. They're all wearing overalls and work clothes, pretty hard-looking bunch. They file in, and then this preacher walks in, dressed in a black suit. A fiddle starts up, but the fiddler isn't in the scene, though the preacher is dead center. He starts clapping his hands to the rhythm and singing this old tune. You gotta stamp out the devil. Before the devil takes your soul, stamp out the devil, put the devil in a hole. He keeps repeating the lines, and soon the men start stamping their feet and clapping along. The stamping gets louder and louder, when suddenly a young woman is pushed into the center of the room. The men form a circle around her, and the stamping escalates, all the while this preacher sings the same lines again and again. Then one of the men enters the circle and shoves the young woman. The woman reels and is obviously scared to death. She tries to run, but the men prevent her from escaping. She's trapped within the circle, and the stamping continues to build. Another man enters the circle and dances a little jig. (laughs) It's exactly as you expect. Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) Another man enters the circle and dances a little jig that ends with him kicking the woman in the side. The group roars, and the circle tightens around the woman as more and more men approach her. They push and punch and kick her to the preacher's rhythmic singing. 
The violence crescendos and then as quickly as it started, it abruptly stops. The whole room falls silent and the men fall into a daze as they silently file out of the room. No one is saying a word. It just leaves the preacher standing against the far wall and the woman sprawled out on the floor. She spasms once or twice but doesn't get up or appear to be conscious. The preacher nears his camera on the way out and that's when Polly notices that he's walking funny. He's got an unsteady gait and as he nears the camera it becomes obvious why. The preacher is still dressed in his black suit and tie but he's not wearing shoes. Then Polly notices that not only is he not wearing shoes, he doesn't have feet but the legs of a goat. The preacher looks deep into the camera and gives a wicked smile as he exits the scene, leaving only the woman lying there, still twitching from time to time. A minute later, the film runs out. With that, Polly finished the last bit of his sandwich and told me to have a good day. There was no explanation whatsoever. I don't know if any part of that story is real or if it was just his way of messing with the new people, but it stuck with me to this day. Your story needs to be more like that. Find A. <laughs> I actually uh, like that. Oh no, that was wonderful. And that's I like that. That, that was the first thing I was gonna say is this they they still got it. The, I the, love, the person who wrote these stories just just has it. I love a preacher as the devil trope. I love it. I'm playing a D and D character. I'm right now. I am literally currently in a campaign where I am playing a demonic preacher who thinks that she's the mouthpiece of God. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Her name is Esther. She's 56 years old. She has eight husbands and doesn't remember any of their names. She was recently <laughs> kicked out of her city for building an orphanage with tithe, <laughs> tithe funding. Well, that's she was amazing. supposed to build an orphanage. She built a 48 room mansion. <laughs> so yeah, I made a uh, televangelist, <laughs> but in D and D, and I love her. Fantastic! That's it's and like I my think, favorite. I love it. I think I the just... the reason that story was also good is because um, that's almost like a that's almost like this author kind of writing a note to the creepypasta community, right? He's just like, hey, everyone, like, you can't just write a story about, about a, a demon, demon mascot. mascot killer. You gotta write a story with, like, feeling and emotion and, like, depth. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to the point that, like, when it scares you, it scares you because of something real, not because of something fake. And then exactly. he just flexes. And then he just fucking flexes on the He's entire like- internet. He's like, bitch. Viewers cannot see me, but I am flexing. (laughs) That doesn't carry over. (laughs) No, it doesn't. So I'm just letting them know. In case anyone was wondering, I'm flexing my glistening, (sighs) my glistening muscles. My eight pack is rippling. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel you. Who who doesn't love a a religious... uh, devil preacher story no one everyone loves it everyone loves it because it's good shit and it's scary because the it really is what a lot of people are afraid himself. of <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean what else i mean honestly that's super in character to me like oh, it, I agree. it totally makes sense i part of me and it's actually just... now now is sitting here thinking like you know what religion is full of shit because if the devil existed he would own it <laughs> he'd be like He'd be like, bitch. 
<laughs> like he'd be like, guess he'd who's here? He'd be like, oh, 9-11, Me. I did that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I drove both I planes that. and I'd do it again. <laughs> <He'd> <laughs> Give me some like, more planes, I'll find five more towers. He'd be like, oh, y'all um, are upset about that plague? That was me, and I'm going to do it again, but harder. <laughs> How you guys enjoying your homes? What if those caught on fire? <laughs> like, <laughs> we'd all be Book of Job. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, and I what I really like about stories like this is that it is, I think it is effective, and it is so short. I mean, it's what, two, it's three pages. Like, yeah. four what is it? Hold on, let me count. I can't count. One. I think two, it was like three and a half. Three. Yeah, three, three and a half. So it's three and a half pages, and it's just it's nice and effective, and I really, really like doing that. The other, the other night, I was uh, going to, uh, you know, go to sleep with my long term partner with whom I share a bed, and he was like being shitty, and he was like, "Tell me a story." He's like hitting me in the back, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, "No, I want to go to sleep." And he was like, tell me a story. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll tell you a fucking story. What story do you want? And he was like, I want a scary story. And I was like, you want a scary story? Fine. So then I just was like, okay. And I just belted out like this, you know, I just belted out what the scariest story I could think of, which was essentially about somebody wandering through a haunted house and then discovering that it wasn't actually haunted and they were just delusional and no one would ever believe them. And they'll never actually know if it was haunted or if they're just crazy. And he, like, I finished the story. Because that's what's scary, right? It's things that it's, like, maybe it could be possible. You know, it's things that might happen to you. Even if it's, like, I think that's why that Wikipedia story scared us so much, right? Because we both use Wikipedia all the time. It's not out of the realm of possibility to find a Wikipedia page of yourself. And, you know, it's, like, it's just those little things. But it's written in this horrific way that that just Mm -hmm. sticks with you. And you're just, like, ah, fuck. Exactly. And then I finished, and he was, like... He was like, you, you, why'd you scare me? <laughs> he was like, how could you do that? <laughs> and then I ended up scaring myself. And so the long story short is that we both stayed up until 4 a.m. You were both scared? <laughs> yes. I, and I told the story. I made it up. Like, <laughs> that's that how hilarious. That's also how you can just recognize both the, like, beautiful complexity and simultaneous stupidity of the human brain. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is all human beings do. We're like, I want to write something cool. Or I'm going to make something sick. And then you make something sick and you're like, I want it to scare people. And then you make it and it's so scary and it's so good. And then you're like, oh, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared now. Oh no. I wonder if now, that's how like Junji Ito reacts to his work, you know? Like <laughs> I wonder if he I wonder if after finishing like Uzumaki he was just like, hmm, time to go to bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh wait, I can't like, because he... I'm scared. <laughs> and then he just like here's a picture of like Junji Ito just like laying in his bed, just like staring at the ceiling. I can't sleep. <laughs> Like, that coat rack's looking awful like an awful. <laughs> His wife comes into the room and it has the spirals taken out of its head. Oh my and God. his wife's like, what's wrong, honey? And half of her head's missing. And he's like, <laughs> And he's like, oh, nothing. I just can't sleep. Um, everything is normal. Everything is fine. Um, I'm now going to read uh, a story... Um, if you want to follow along, 
siren. It's the first one. I'm going to scroll all the way back up to the top of the document. Oh, I was hoping so, because um, I read the first few sentences, and I am extremely interested. <laughs> Wonderful. I hope I scare the shit out of myself. Yes, let's go. Drink and smoke if you got them. <laughs> this story's called Good Walt. Fantastic. Fantastic. Story Street Alone at Night. He hasn't always been here. I enjoyed a good seven years as the only child. But that all changed after picture day. More precisely, it changed when I brought the pictures home from school. They were your run-of-the-mill school pictures, an assortment of wallet-sized photos, and a few larger ones to share with the relatives. I wore a green and yellow Izod shirt and brown corduroy <laughs> pants, all topped by a mop of disheveled blonde hair. Typical 80s third grader. Mother took a special liking to an 8x10 photo, and by the next day it was framed and hanging in the hallway. And from the moment I noticed it hanging there, I felt as though it was a picture of someone else. You'd think a mother would pick up on that sort of thing, wouldn't you? Shouldn't a mother of all people recognize her own child? Instead, she praised me for finally taking a nice picture. She said it showed my sweet side. If I had known, I would have disposed of it. I would have thrown it into the river and let it float away. Orthodox Christians do that with their icons when they are too worn to use in their ceremonies, and I've always admired the reverence behind the practice, but I guess that's neither here nor there. A few days later it happened. I was sitting in our living room watching our afternoon cartoons when I saw something dart across the hall to my room. It was only from the corner of my eye, but sometimes your peripheral vision can be very keen. I thought it was just my reflection at first, only it was wearing the same yellow and green shirt and corduroy pants from the picture. After that, I would see myself almost daily mousing around the house from the corner of my eye, always wearing the green and yellow shirt with brown pants. I thought it was my imagination at first, but the sightings were unmistakably real. He generally showed up when my mother was in the house. If she was doing dishes, he'd be watching from around the corner. He'd follow her down the hall. He'd spy on her in the yard from the attic window. He'd kept his distance, but he was always following her, wearing the same cherubic expression as the photo. Now that is where this gets into terrifying, because you're telling me this I thing was... does nothing but smile. I, I don't fucking like that kill myself. shit. Also, I like, with kids... fucking kill myself. And with kids especially, like, they're not supposed to be like that. That's what makes them no, so, like, man. that's, they're so creepy. It's like, what, do you remember those fucking kids next door villains? The, like, night, like, yeah. the good, the nice little children from down the lane? That's what yeah. makes them so fucking creepy, because they're not nice. <laughs> nah, man. Nah. But this is also supernatural, so I'm just not into it. Like, I'm terrified. <laughs> the story is scary. Uh. And then he started to act. Dishes did themselves. Laundry was folded and put away when left out. There were always little chores, the kind you might think you absentmindedly did yourself and then forgot about, but they were always done, and I always got the credit. Mother would say thank you out of the blue with a radiant smile. 
She would say, that's good, Walt, for putting away the dishes, or what a nice thing to do, folding your own laundry. Every time I would catch sight of my little doppelganger absorbing the praise from the corner of my eye. Every act of kindness and every bit of praise emboldened good Walt. I think mother thought I was trying to fill the role of the man of the house since father died. As I grew older and puberty started to kick in, good Walt continued to stay the same. He wasn't me. He was some pale reflection of the son I could have been. He was the one mother continued to love throughout my trials and tribulations of junior and high school. I tried so hard to rebel, so hard to get into trouble, but good Walt was always there to patch things up before mother found out. Cigarettes would mysteriously disappear from my sock drawer, Playboys would vanish from between the mattresses, and the botched vivisection of the neighbor's cat. Ugh. Let's just say that uh, old Mrs. Stevens never saw the blood trail that painted her porch that night. I almost felt bad for her, seeing her tacking missing posters to the utility poles the next morning. Okay, so I may have had a chuckle or two, but if you had seen that mangy creature frantically trying to escape determined it was being pursued by the intestines trailing from the flaps in its abdomen, well, you get the picture. Well, I don't have any sympathy I, for this guy anymore. I don't have any sympathy anymore. Yep, well, no. <laughs> I hope Good Walt punches you in the dick. I hope Good Walt fucking murders you. <laughs> I was a good student. I knew what good grades were my only escape from this. I know that good grades were my only escape from this small town, and I can't tell you the elation I felt when good Walt didn't follow me to college. The dutiful son decided to stay at home to keep my mother company. Those were the best years of my life. I was finally free of my diminutive self constantly getting between me and my desires. And the city? It's everything you can imagine and more. The food, the nightlife, it's magical manifold even, catering to every desire. But two years into graduate school, my world came crashing down. A late night phone call and the next thing I know I'm racing to the hospital to find mother waiting in the ICU. Good Walt beat me there, of course, but there was nothing he or the doctors could do. She passed minutes after I arrived. I caught sight of Good Walt sitting in the back seat on the ride home from the hospital. He was grieving. Her funeral was pleasant enough. I never realized that Mother knew so many people. They all paid their respects to me and offered to help in any way they could. I thought I had ended a chapter of my life until I looked up from the grave and saw her standing several yards away watching her own funeral. But like the photograph, there was something different about her. Mother was always sweet and genteel, but... This mother wore a look of scorn that I had never seen before. Good Walt noticed her too and cowered like a whipped dog. I nearly burst out laughing. See me, I'd be terrified if I saw my dead mom frowning at me. Like, especially with a nasty look you've never seen before. Like, like see, I you know what? My I, mom, like, if she looked really angry, I think I've seen it before, honestly. I've only, I could probably count the number of times I've seen my mom angry like that in my life on one hand. Nah, and so if I I've saw that specter 
hanging over my shoulder, I'd fucking shit myself. I had helped Mother by co-signing on an equity loan on the house. Without an income to speak of and bills to pay, I was forced to leave school and move back. Dr. Coleman at the community college was nice enough to offer me a job teaching literature, and in ten years, I realized that this will be the rest of my life. It's lonely, being one of the few educated people in this hellhole. Oh, don't look at me like that. You know that you feel the same way I do. You you said as much in the poem you recited in class last semester. What was that verse again? Something about being marooned in a cocoon, solitary and reaching? I don't remember the verse exactly, and forgive me if I say that it wasn't particularly well written. I don't mean to insult you, it's just that nobody in that class has ever penned anything that wasn't deserving of being incarcerated. A lost art. I guess. Anyhow, it wasn't the poem, but the sentiment behind it, about being alone and out of water. There, This isn't where you want to be, but you also know you'll never leave even though you have nothing keeping you here. It's a paradox. Like me returning to the town I loathe to live with my eternally youthful copy. You see, I just... I know how you feel, that's why I invited you over. Though I must admit that I can't take all the credit, good Walt helped too. Those flowers you found on your doorstep yesterday, that was his doing. I think you remind him of Mother, you share the same warmth, the same radiant personality, and I think he sees the same loneliness inside you. Please don't. You're just going to make this harder on all of us. No, I, I miss Mother too sometimes, but that's not why I asked you over tonight. I know what you're thinking, and I can assure you it's not that. I mean, there's a certain something to the confirmed bachelor poetry teacher, but that isn't the case here. Can I be honest? I'm the same as you. I know that you're the only person in this town that I could be happy with, but there's something missing? I know you agree. I can see it in your eyes. Imagine the gift that is. A slight alteration that transforms two people who are compatible but not in love into soulmates. What would Byron say about that? Something great, no doubt. Do you realize how lucky we are? Maybe not good Walt, of course, but you, me, and new mother will be so happy. I guess that's... Good Walt's paradox. He had to have known what would happen if he helped me, but it's like I said before, he must see so much of Mother in you. Right down to her loneliness. Maybe it was her loneliness that caused him to appear in the first place. The kind of loneliness that means everyone will assume you just up and left like you always said you would. Struggling isn't going to solve this. Can't you see I'm trying to help you? I know how miserable you are, how empty. I can fix that. For both of us, admit it. Wasn't dinner wonderful tonight? Didn't you feel the sense of family you've been longing for? Didn't you feel a connection? I know I did, the four of us sitting down to a proper meal together. I apologize about what I put in your wine, but it was... The only way I could think of 
things could get out of hand if you struggled, and then where would we be? See, that was barely a pinch, not nearly as bad as you'd think it would be. Not like the time with the cat. Why, you're looking more beautiful already. You can see them now, can't you? Do you see how happy you've made new mother? And why not? It's no small thing, welcoming a new daughter-in-law into her home. I know good Walt must be grieving, but he'll warm up to the new you. He chose you, after all. You're probably wondering about all this mess, but it's like I said, good Walt never let me get into trouble. I'm sure he'll treat it all with reverence of an icon. Now why don't you take a moment to all get properly acquainted while I prepare the dessert. <laughs> that took a that took a left turn. I wish Goodwill had killed his ass. <laughs> I never thought I'd be on like the ghostly doppelganger side, but here we are. <clears throat> um well, it just makes me realize that those those ghosts totally aren't there. This is just um him being I think it's insane. A, it's a schizo I think it's a schizophrenic. I I was about to say I think it's just uh somebody experiencing some really intense hallucinations. Well, that's the schizophrenia. You know, your your mm -hmm. mind like convinces you something is a truth. Um, I'm also <clears throat> Although I am wondering side of it. I'm wondering with, like, the delusions, like, I do wonder if it is supernatural, though, because with, like, the delusions and all that good stuff, I'm kind of like, you know, someone, although then again, he's also never attempted anything as big as murdering a person. Like, you know, murdering a cat is a lot different oh, from it, murdering it a follows, person. Oh, it follows the same structure, though. Yeah. It follows the same serial killer escalation. You Absolutely. start with thoughts. You move to small animals and bugs and little little things you can get away with. Eventually, things that at no some one will point, miss. it's it's it becomes more complicated, and you, <laughs> you commit to that next level, or you don't. And I was about to know. say, it becomes more complicated is like the most gentle way I think I've ever heard anyone refer to. Dude, I read I read a lot of books about serial killers <laughs> and I'm convinced I'm convinced that some of them are just idiots who were at the wrong place at the wrong time. I just honestly I like I just love that. It's like instead of, you know, m drilling holes in skulls and pouring acid into them, a la Dahmer, it's that got more complicated. <laughs> like, Dude, funny. Dahmer Dahmer had, like, Ugh, shitty parents, and he was yeah, unable he to cope with his own sexuality. Like, he, he just had a lot of problems and didn't express them the right way. And, so and many. He, he isn't, um, he isn't, like, a great example <laughs> of what I mean, but I will say that, um... Thank you, Padme. You know, like you can't, you can't, ex you can't even try to explain really a serial killer's mind. It's just so, so much of uh, so much of the escalation that takes place. I mean, it, it's crazy to see a story try to like emulate that. Mm -hmm. 
um, just like how the story did emulate the escalation of a serial killer. Like he literally started mm-hmm. with third grade. Like, like mm-hmm. I immediately had disassociative personality disorder. <laughs> like when I was young, <laughs> I was not me anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know. And then it just escalates from that point. And when he started, like, we both agreed the minute he said he killed small animals, even internally, I was just like, oh, he's doing the, he's oh, doing he's the crazy. round robin. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, uh, <laughs> He's doing oh. the round robin. Oh, shit, sorry. Here he is thinking, uh, something that doesn't exist exists, so I know he's nuts. And here he goes, uh, fucking killing small animals like wrecking her wrecking our shit (laughs) yeah although from the supernatural argument if we're gonna like just you know let's imagine that we're taking it at face value right would it not i mean he's uh, no matter what he obviously loses his grip on reality near the end regardless of which angle you want to go for it at so let's say that it is all real and supernatural and all that good stuff i'm wondering like like, I mean, seeing a mini you all the time running around your house, like, that would nope. drive me insane. Like, nope. you know what I mean? I don't even like thinking about it. <laughs> we were just talking about our clothes. I don't even like clones. imagining it. Ever since I read that line that, like, it's always smiling, you know, yeah, like, I, I was just like, nope. Me it's has, also like, like... <laughs> it's like little picture. It's like little picture of me from 20 years ago. Except mm. I'm always having a super cheesy grin. Like, like, no thank you. Dead eyes? Yeah. See, it sucks because if, though, if good Walt is real, let's say, let's for fun, then, sure. like, he doesn't actually do anything bad. The whole st- He's actually no, just it's good just Walt. He's creepy. <laughs> he's just, his, cri- his crime is being scary. <laughs> but. It's like, I don't know, though. I would hate to have, like, you know, a good little kid me running around taking, like... Because the thing is is that you can't take credit for doing anything good then, so it's like, what's the fucking point? You know what I mean? Like, why should I do anything good? Because it's not actually me doing it, and no one's gonna believe that it's not me. So yeah, I'll fucking dissect cats, I guess. Which I'm saying with my cat, (laughs) like, sitting under my feet. I'm sorry, Uh hon. Like... (laughs) I'm not actually disclaimer. I'm not going to dissect any cats in case the FBI is listening or PETA. <laughs> no, no. Um, no. no I cats. thought it was. I thought it was really, really good. Really well written story. I liked it too. Solid. Um, That's two solid stories in a row. That's good. I don't think we've read a. I think. I think the worst thing this guy uh, wrote. Was that one that we read about the, um, the jogger? Uh, and even yeah, that, that wasn't was... that bad of a story. Yeah, that wasn't that bad. It wasn't I'm my favorite, I'm pretty sure that was the stories bad. to read alone at night. I think so, too. I'm pretty sure that was. Um, Who's next? We, we're going killer. to split this one. Okay. Um, this story is called Joshua, um, and it's stories yeah. to read alone at night. It's the last one. Uh, that I have from them. Um, She's up. Joshua. Stories to read alone at night. Pride. That's the problem with the younger generation. They simply don't take pride in their work. Oh, is they that come it? To my door. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not a ruined economy or depression. It's not anything, anything else, huh? Cried. <laughs> they go. It's because they're all gay. <laughs> they come to my door daily, peddling their goods, but they don't have their hearts in it. At least not like people used to. Not like I still do. People aren't interested in alarm systems or credit card services. They're interested in service. They want to know that they can count on someone to keep their business safe at night or set them up with a good interest rate off the bat. You shouldn't have to negotiate these things. It's simply not necessary to nickel and dime someone. You take care of your customers and they take care of you. That's how business is done. I've been in business for a long time, and the last thing I need is some punk half-heartedly trying to explain how a website will generate a positive ROI while intermittently trailing off to read his latest text message. Maybe that's what makes me a dinosaur, a relic in my own time. Take this kid, for instance. He's trying to tell me that getting people to like me on Bookface will help me generate more revenue. Did he not see the sign on the door? Of course not, and that's the problem. He's trying to sell me something. He doesn't care who I am or what I do. He wants a sale and he's wasting valuable time. Maybe his time isn't valuable, but nevertheless the clock ticks and all he can do is prattle on about likes and fans and statuses the poor soul. He's dismissed at once, but time marches on. Finds me sitting here with the lows, the poor couple. He's devastated. He tries to maintain his composure, but his shoulders are listed and it's clear he hasn't slept. She doesn't fare well either. He urges her to lift her chin as I pass the gilded box of tissue. He's afraid of me. It's been so long since he met someone like me. Someone who takes pride. That he suspects me of just being another man bent on making a dollar. That wasn't their fault. Tragedy sought them out and found them unprepared. Emotionally. Financially. They simply aren't equipped to handle this. Not that you could prepare for a tragedy of this nature. But fortunately for them, I am. There, there, Mrs. Lowe. It's going to be okay. This came as a shock to both of you. I cannot say that I know how you feel, but I can tell you that Thanos and Sons have been in business for over 85 years. I've personally <laughs> dealt with similar situations. Your loss will take a long time to get over, but I am here for you in the short term. Over the next few days, I am personally at your disposal. I will arrange every detail and see that everything is attended to. And we take care of business with a snap. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to make like a joke about dusting, but then I couldn't word it right, and it just would have come out all awkward, so you'll just have to imagine the joke for yourself. <laughs> Dust. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Do we have to choose the casket now, she asks. We have an assortment of caskets that cater to every taste and budget, yes, but before we do that, why don't you take a moment to tell me about Joshua? I never had the opportunity to meet him, so it's the most we can do to make sure that we say goodbye to him as he would have wanted. They both take a moment to digest what I have just told them, but I meant what I said. We, above all else, we at Thanos and Sons make sure that we do everything in our power to please our client. Unfortunately, in our line of work, our clients are unable to speak for themselves. <laughs> he was wonderful, he starts, catching himself to keep from breaking down. He loved playing outside, he was smart, inquisitive, nice, honest. 
We loved it more than anything in the world. He reaches for her hand and I produce a handkerchief. They did love him more than anything. He wasn't lying when he said that. Of course, every parent says that in my presence. They'd appear, appear barbaric not to, but you'd be surprised how many of them leave the burial looking as though a tremendous weight was suddenly lifted from their shoulders. <laughs> we strive to deliver a stellar service to all our clients, of course, but some we truly go above and beyond for. There, there, I'm sure he was, I say as the tears begin to ebb. I'm afraid it's getting late, so I don't have time to explain the finer points, but what would you say if I told you we could forgo these with these preparations altogether? What are you saying? He says brashly. Are you suggesting that we just dump him somewhere to save a buck or two? This is our son, for God's sake. No, of course not, I respond immediately. He must really think I'm a monster, if that's the first thought he conjured up. But why shouldn't he think of me as a monster? I do have his son's body in my basement, after all. No, Mr. Lowe, exactly the opposite. You see, I've had an opportunity to examine your son. He is pristine, and I am sure we can all agree that this was not his time. They nod in agreement over it not being his time, but it's clear that they do not understand. But the clock is ticking, so let me explain the best I can. You see, I believe you when you say that you loved him more than anything. Just like I know you believe me when I say that it simply was not his time. That's why his body is so immaculate. It isn't meant to be put in the ground. They look at each other now, each wondering if the other is thinking the same impossible thought. Cutting to the point, I add, the fact of the matter is that he can be brought back. That did it. What they both wanted and simultaneously dreaded. I know it sounds impossible, but it's true. Your son wants to be called back into this world and you have a power to do it. But how? He finally asks. We all know that's not possible, otherwise people will be coming back left and right. Are you trying to play us for fools? No, I assure you I'm not, I say cautiously. It's sad, really, the world being as it is, where you would actually suspect someone of taking advantage of you over the death of a child. But every second is crucial, and I'm afraid I'm running out of time. You see, it's like I said, he isn't meant to be put in the ground, and your love for him can bring him back. This is no more a tragedy than a fluke of the clock, so to speak. And how much do you intend to rob us for this service, he interrupts. Mr. Lowe, please. This is an ancient practice that people in my trade have been practicing for years. But you are correct on one point. This will cost you something. You see, in order to get back that which you love the most, you will have to sacrifice that which you hate the most. It's that crossroads demon bullshit, man. They always want something. I, I, I felt it coming a little bit. Listen, man. Like a man, monkey's paw they... type of thing. They always want something. They always want something, and it's never worth it. <laughs> Pet cemetery. Now I'm, now I'm really confused, she says. What do you mean we have to give up what we hate most? It's just like I said. So tell me, what do you hate the most? They pause, but only for a second. Our debts, they both say. It's funny, it only ever takes someone a second to think of what they hate the most. Ask someone to name what they're most grateful for and they may take minutes to answer. Your debt? I confirm and they both nod emphatically. Well then it's simple. You hand over your debt to me and I will return Joshua to you. You're saying that you can bring Joshua back to us alive like before, but in order for that to happen we have to give up a burden? She says that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> It's like I said before, this is a fluke. This was not what was supposed to happen. Now because you are good parents and truly love him, he will be returned to you. The giving up a burden part is considered a recompense, a settlement of sorts. 
for your unnecessary suffering. Believe me, this is all standard. I've mediated these situations before. It comes with the job. Now I continue. I can begin at once. I just need you to fill out the short form detailing the debts you'd like to surrender to me and sign this declaration that the debts you'd surrender are for the return of the one you love the most. She examines the document. It's all standard boilerplate. I had to speed up the process, but she shakes her head. Ah, she's smart. She's smart. Mom's having second thoughts. I'm sorry, she says. I don't believe for a second that this was Joshua's time to go, but this isn't right either. I want him back more than anything, but this just seems wrong to me. I excuse myself as Mr. Lowe tries to dissuade her. He's clearly angry, but this only brings on another fit on her part. They really weren't prepared for any of this. I return to find them both standing. She's sobbing. He shakes my hand with an unsteady grip. I'm sorry, he says, but this is too much for us right now. You'll understand if we make other arrangements. Of course, I answer, but if you feel as though you're going to change your mind, please do it quickly. Our window is closing. The clock strikes nine. I open to find Mr. Lowe presenting the document with a ravering hand. Here, he says. Take it. I perused it to find it has been duly executed. These are both of your signatures, he, I ask. He nods. Then if you both agree, I will set to work at once. Be here at noon tomorrow and be prepared to take Joshua home. Mr. Lowe lingers on the porch for a second, unsure if he should say anything. But in the end, he just nods and turns into the night. I think it's you. Do you want to keep going? I can. I was thinking this would be a good place for you to take over, too. Okay. I will take it. It's nearing 11.30 in the morning by the time I have Joshua cleaned and dressed. The clothes are not his, and perhaps they're a bit dated, but they fit well enough. He doesn't speak, but he's already responding to simple commands. The doorbell rings, and he follows me up from the basement as instructed. We meet the Lowe's at the door. They burst into tears at the sight of him. Mrs. Lowe takes him into her arms and rushes him to their car without so much as a hello. Mr. Lowe starts to follow but turns to shake my head and thank me. But this is real, right? He asks after a thoughtful pause. Just like I explained last night. He wasn't meant to go. It wasn't his time. But let me caution you. Joshua has been through a lot. It might take a few days for him to return to normal. He's still cool to the touch, and he may refuse to eat at first, but that's just his body readjusting itself. Is there anything else we can do? He asks. Just love him and treat him like he's recovering from the flu, I say. Welcome him back gently. It's 6.17 the next morning when Mr. Lowe calls. He won't stop talking, he says. I try to assure him that these things take time, that Joshua has been through a lot. Look, I don't know what you did to him, but I'm coming over right now and I want you to explain this to me step by step. Mr. Lowe must have had a devil on his tail because he arrives by 6.38. Come in, I say. I've prepared some tea. 
I lead him to the receiving room and pour us each a cup. He cradles it in his hands. Why won't he stop talking? He asks. It's like I said, he wasn't gone long, but he needs to readjust to his body. It takes time. You don't understand, he replies emphatically. Joshua was non-verbal. The doctors said it was autism and a, a lot of other jargon. They said he'd never progress mentally beyond two-year-olds. Now he won't stop talking. He kept us up the entire night. If I hadn't been in this business so long, I might be taken aback. It's the recompense, I say. You see, you simply asked for your debts to be forgiven. Debt is a relatively new phenomenon in this business, and apparently the makers of this deal do not put a lot of weight in money. Hmm. So in order to right the fluke, they gave you back your son as he should have been. I once serviced a client whose daughter was born with a terrible disfigurement. When it came time for recompense... She only stated that the thing she hated most was her daughter's suffering in life. I can't name names, but she grew up to be a famous starlet. Mm. But it's not like that, he insists. Listen to me. He's talking, but he's saying terrible things. He called my wife a harlot. He said that I wasn't his father. He said oh adulterers boy. burn alone. You call that recompense? What did you do to him? Mr. Lowe, please, you are obviously quite upset, and I understand why. However, you must understand that the makers of this deal are just. They returned Joshua to correct a wrong. I cannot claim to speak for them or to understand their ways, but we must trust them. But why is he saying these things? Mr. Lowe asks pleadingly. These things take time, Mr. Lowe. Joshua's brain is no doubt struggling to make sense of what has happened. I'm sure that there wasn't any meaning behind his words. Now Joshua and Mrs. Lowe need you, I add. Being with them is the best you can do right now. Of course you can call me if anything else unusual happens, but I honestly wouldn't worry about it. I show Mr. Lowe the door. It has been a busy day. It's nearly 8 o'clock by the time I have the viewing room in proper order. It's then that I hear the door chime. 8 is a strange hour for visitors, but in my business you always have to be prepared for new clients. I cross to the receiving room to find Joshua standing by the front door. Hello, Joshua, I say. He doesn't respond. So you've said your piece, then. He shuffles past me, his eyes intent on the basement floor. Mrs. Lowe bursts into the room not a minute later. She's clearly upset and holds a blood-soaked towel to her forearm. Is he here? She shouts demandingly. Mr. Lowe is not long on her tail. Mrs. Lowe, it's good to see you again. Yes, Joshua is here, though I must say that it was a surprise to see him. Shall I get him for you? No, she insists. You can keep him for all I care. That thing you gave us isn't our son. She falters to her knees and breaks into a guttural sob. Is it true? Mr. Lowe asks me. His voice is cold, and his face wears a matching pallor. Is what true? 
Mr. Lowe? I asked. The things Joshua said. He continued talking. He said I was a fool. That he pitied me for pitied me for not knowing. I didn't know what he was talking about, so I asked him. He said I was too pathetic to save him. Then he laughed again, and that's when he bit her and took off running. You need to tell me what's going on here. Mrs. Lowe continues sobbing. The blood from her arm threatens to soil the carpet as dark fissures spider their way up her arm. Mrs. Lowe's clock is winding down. Mr. Lowe, it's like I said, it wasn't Joshua's time. Perhaps you could have saved him. Perhaps if you'd known you could have prevented his death. Joshua's right. Mr. Lowe is clueless to the ways of this world. Good men generally are. His gaze follows mine to Mrs. Lowe. No, he says, I don't believe it. Mrs. Lowe's sob intensifies. I didn't mean for it to happen, she says. I didn't know what I was doing. I tucked him in, and the next thing I know, there's a pillow over his face, and I can't bring myself to take it away. I was so exhausted I couldn't think. I just knew I couldn't stand another day of taking the tantrums or the diapers or the stress because none of it would make him better. Mrs. Lowe attempts to wipe the tears from her eyes, and that's when she takes sight of her arm it is entirely black. She screams. What's wrong with me? She asks pleadingly. Mr. Lowe could not look at her. Her eyes dart frantically about the room until they meet mine. What did he do to me? She asks pleadingly. Mrs. Lowe, it's like I said before, the makers of this deal are just. Joshua was not meant to be taken from this world, and that decision was not yours to make. But that is neither here nor there, now. Joshua bit you, and the wound is necrotizing. Nothing can be done for that. I'm dying, she asks. We're all dying, Mrs. Lowe. It's really a question of timing. Fuck. Then call me an ambulance. I need to go to the hospital, she pleads. People's selfishness never ceases to surprise me, and I see more than my fair share of it in my business. But a few grains <clears throat> in the hourglass, and she wants nothing more than to save herself. She should be repenting. She, of all people, should know that filicides burn forever. Mr. Lowe steps away. I nod at him. He trusts my professionalism that I will see to the details with the care and competence I show all of my clients. With that, he turns to the door. He has suffered more than anyone when you think about it, but as he leaves, a perceptive man would notice the subtle but long-dormant spring in his step. So that's it, then. You're not going to help me, Mrs. Lowe asks spitefully. Of course I am, Mrs. Lowe. I wouldn't dream of turning my back on you, I said to her relief. I have in every intention of helping you. Now tell me, how do you feel about mahogany? <laughs> so this uh, author also has a sense of humor. That yeah, was, that was uh, that was nice. Nice. That's um. You know what that is? That's like an episode of Creep Show. That's yeah. that's a that's a fun one. That's a I fun have, one. I have mixed feelings about the disabilities thing, but. 
I really enjoy, I love like a whole crossroads demon thing though. And I especially like this guy. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, I'm a professional and I am here to help you and I will help you. But if you are a dick, then you're going to get exactly what's coming. (laughs) Customer service doesn't mean. Have you ever, um, sorry. No, you're fine. I was just thinking about, like, you know, people are like, the customer is always right, and he's clearly not the one, so. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely not. Um, have you ever, uh, have you ever, like, heard of or seen the old, like, Friday the 13th show? No. Do do you know the premise? Yeah, the, the premise of uh, well anyone for for anyone who's listening and doesn't know the premise of the uh, the old TV show it's basically a guy owns a shop of cursed items and people come in and buy them and they get taught like essentially moral lessons be- based on the items and most mm-hmm. of them are like haunted and shit and mm-hmm. sometimes the people end up dying sometimes the people end up surviving it's a very um, monkey's paw it's like a <laughs> um, it's like a it's like a Twilight Zone with a with a, except everyone can see Rod Serling and he's an asshole. <laughs> um, so there's this creepy like shop owner who just keeps giving everyone like haunted things. Like part of me really likes the creepy like funeral owner who mm-hmm. just knows a little bit too much about his profession. Like yeah. I feel like um. I feel like if I wanted this story to be like a creep show episode, it should be, um, it should be shit, uh, fuck, uh, what's his name, uh, Todd, um, the guy who plays Candyman. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) because he plays, he plays the similar character in the Final Destination series. Right. He, um... In Final Destination, he plays a... I want to say his name's Jason Todd, but I think okay. that's Batman. That's Batman. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of... I th- it's something Todd. Um, it's I Todd Jason. His, his, <laughs> it is not Todd Jason. <laughs> Toddly um, Jason. <laughs> fuck, I'm going to Google it because fuck <laughs> you. Yeah, I'm not helping. I'm sorry. <laughs> Toddimus Jasonus. No? Okay. Hi, Kitty. <laughs> Tony Todd. Okay. Tony Todd is this fantastic black actor. Um, he might... I think he's still alive and, and doing gigs. Um, but he played the uh, Candyman in the 80s. And um, I just think like him playing this like shitty funeral owner who's just like saying all this grim shit and totally gets away with it because the way the actor is he just sells it and like the people aren't gonna believe you know it's very pet cemetery like yeah it's like well how well how much do you want your kid back yeah "Ah." because because sometimes they're better off dead (laughs) yeah that's that's why you just you just never you just never take the deal just don't do it you deserve better probably unless you're uh mrs lowe who definitely deserved that (laughs) (laughs) oh shit um i think each of us should read like one unsettling story okay does that sound 
like something you want to do. Yeah. Which All right, I'm going to read cuz we're done with stories to read alone at night. That's All it. All right. So, you know, everyone, everyone RIP for stories to read alone at night, because, like, that's, that's all we, we've care, we've carried the, uh, the stories on other episodes. Go back and listen to other episodes. That's all that that guy wrote. I don't know if he mm-hmm. writes anymore. Um, Rest in pieces. Good stories. Cannibal Siren, I'm going to read some things to you. You just, uh, you just pick what sounds like you want to read it. Okay. I'm going to go ahead, uh. Take, take it away. Fireflies from Unsettling Stories. Tell me a story, Captain Death. <laughs> but you're telling me a story. Oh, I'll tell you a story, Captain Death. You're reading this. You picked it. You're reading it. <laughs> Fireflies. Unsettling Stories. The theory went like this. When confused by nighttime fog, fireflies can congregate into masses of hundreds or sometimes even thousands. The fog reduces their ability to signal properly, the distance is shortened, and the light becomes too diffused. To survive and attract mates, individual fireflies start banding together. Once a small group is formed, they signal to one another with pheromones, and that triggers simultaneous illumination. It's brighter so that even through the fog, solitary fireflies can find the group. So if you see a glowing beach ball hovering over the lake on a foggy night, don't freak out. It's just fireflies trying to fuck. This is exactly why I <laughs> this wanted is to your story. story. <laughs> I moved to the woodsy town in Vermont a couple of years ago. During my first summer there, when the pea soup fog rolled off that lake every morning, I saw those glowing orbs for the first time. That was before I'd learned they were fireflies, so I didn't know what I was seeing. I watched from my porch as the ball floated across the yard at the edge of the forest. It was beautiful, but haunting. The following morning at the local diner, I brought up what I'd seen. The waitress laughed and said they were just the local fireflies. Apparently, they're considered a minor celebrity in the area. My buddy from college, Phil, was an entomologist. Bugs were his thing. So when I caught home after breakfast, I called him up. I figured he'd be interested in the phenomenon. Apparently, interested was an understatement. I guess fireflies had never been observed doing something like that anywhere else in the world. I told him he'd be welcome if he wanted to make the drive up from Connecticut to stay for a few days and see them himself. He did. The next day, Phil arrived at dusk. Great timing. I gave him a quick tour of the place, and we brought a six-pack out to the porch and waited for the fog to move in. In a steady, slow creep, the fog poured across the lake into the forest and swallowed my yard. The moonlight was a dull haze above our heads, and right away we saw individual fireflies trying to locate one another with their bioluminescent shouts. We waited and drank beer after beer as we caught up on the goings-on in our respective lives over the last ten years. After a couple of hours, I saw a glimpse of something glowing on the other side of the trees, right by the lake. I pointed and Phil stood up and went to the edge of the porch. Wow, he breathed, and I could sense his genuine excitement. It was contagious. I got up and stood with him as we gazed on the orb of softly undulating light, our beers forgotten. The massive fireflies approached the edge of the yard, every one of its members flying in a tight, spherical pattern. I don't believe my eyes, Phil said. This behavior's never been documented in that species. The sphere's light waxed and waned, and solitary fireflies from all over the yard, disoriented in the morass of fog, began to move toward the group. They incorporated themselves into the luminous mass. The group turned back towards the forest and eventually went out of sight. Pretty cool, right? I asked. One of the coolest things I've seen in my career, he agreed. I'm not going to write up a report tomorrow morning. I'm going to write up a report tomorrow morning. Then tomorrow night, I'm going to see if I can record it with my phone. Might not be come out too great in the low light, though. 
worth a shot, I said. He nodded. The next day, I made coffee while Phil typed up his report. I could tell he was impatiently waiting for the evening, so I made a list of local stuff we could do to help pass the time more quickly. He finished up, and we went out and had a fun, eventful day. The sun drowned itself in the lake while we ate dinner. Individual fireflies right outside the window were already signaling as if they wanted to do as much talking as possible before the fog made their job harder. I told Phil to go outside and leave the dishes to me. He didn't argue. I went from the kitchen window as Phil dragged a lawn chair out to the line where the yard met the forest. He sat with his phone and his tablet and waited while the fog drifted in around him. He didn't need to wait long. An orb of fireflies coalesced no more than twenty feet from my friend. I stopped washing up and stepped out onto the porch to watch Phil get his footage. He held his phone out like he was a Spielberg filming his next award-winning movie. I don't know if this is going to work, he called to me. Too damn dark. He put the phone on the chair and tried to record with the camera on his tablet. That's a little better, he said. I think the camera on this thing is better in low light. He recorded for a minute and then I saw two more orbs coming off in the lake. Perfect. The waitress told me the smaller masses would sometimes join the bigger ones, so I hoped that was the case. Phil noticed them too and called out, that's so cool! New masses of fireflies converged on the one in the yard. The fog was dense and I was having trouble seeing Phil, but the glow of bugs had produced a peaceful, pale yellow haze. I heard Phil swearing to himself. The filming wasn't going very well. How about a picture, I asked. That might help with the right problem. Try to take a lot of shots in a row and then maybe you can animate them in the computer afterward. Phil didn't say anything, but I saw him move the tablet down as if he were changing some settings. He held it back up, and the flashes exploded through the fog as he took picture after picture. This is going to screw up the way their illumination looks, he shouted, but at least I can show how they're clustered together. Flash after flash after flash bloomed through the thick fog. Above <laughs> us, the sky lit up as distant lightning announced a coming storm. Indeed, a storm had been forecasted in the early morning hours, but apparently it was ahead of schedule. You see that? Yeah, Phil replied. I'll get inside before the rain. He kept snapping pictures. On the outskirts of the yard, I noticed more light. These were new orbs. Lots of them, ranging from ones the size of lemons to others the size of watermelons. Phil, I shouted, check those out. More orbs coalesced and moved in the direction of Phil, apparently attracted by the strobing camera. The lightning flashed again, brighter this time, closer. There was no accompanying thunder. Now there were tens of the firefly clusters, and the yard was a blur of pale yellow that threatened to compete with the camera flashes. This is fucking awesome, Phil hollered, and almost as if in response, more lightning lit up the fog. It was almost blinding now, and I said to Phil, we should probably go in. Hang on, he replied. I'm almost done. Famous last words. <laughs> All of the firefly masses formed one colossal ball the size of a mid-sized car, which hovered directly above Phil. There was another burst of lightning, this time accompanied by a gust of wind so powerful it knocked me down. The mass of fireflies scattered and Phil screamed. I jumped back in my feet, just in time to be nearly blinded by an explosion of intense light coming from where my buddy was standing. I squinted and tried to acclimate my vision. Phil kept hollering. What's going on? I shouted to him. Hold on one second, I lost my place. There was no reply other than hysterical gibberish. My eyes slowly acclimated to the light when I realized why Phil was screaming. I gasped and backed up to the house. A glowing firefly the size of a school bus was pinning him to the ground. He struggled and thrashed, but the insect must have weighed tons. Its wings fluttered and hurricane-force wind pushed me against the house and flung leaves and branches from the, upper, from the nearby trees. 
Help! Phil shouted over and over. I was too terrified to move. <laughs> I could only watch as the hideously luminescent creature held my friend under its bulk. A small drop of pure white light fell from the mandible of the monstrous bug. Phil's scream grew high-pitched and inhuman. More of the liquid light dribbled from the firefly's mouth. I smelled burning, burning clothes, burning grass, burning meat. A pool of radiance formed while Phil was pinned. His screaming stopped. The firefly lurched up and took to the air the wind from its wings, shattering windows in the house and tossing me to the ground. It was gone. The light was gone. All that remained was gone. All that remained was a puddle of horrible luminescence. I ran in the house and dialed 911, spoke to them for a minute, and then stepped warily toward the liquid light. The stench was overwhelming. I gagged and got closer. The fog was making it difficult to see anything without proper, with proper resolution. But soon I was only a couple of feet away. It all came into focus. The acidic light, which had touched, which is now starting to dim, had destroyed everything it had touched. Tattered, singed clothing still smoked. The skeletal remains of my friend still steamed and gripped in its bony hand. The melting tablet still sat, its flesh strobing with dying pulses as the acid ate it away. Nice. Gross. <laughs> Gross. Gross. The giant bug's a little cartoonish for me, but I liked the firefly orbs. See, I had just hoped that the orbs were gonna... Fuck him up. We're gonna... We're just gonna come come to him as a mass and just kind of absorb him. That's what I thought, too. Gone. I, I wanted I to too. quote um, one of my favorite episodes, The Mighty Boosh, where they find out that there's more than one Yeti. Yeah. And the line is... Uh, the line is... Oh my god, there are more of them. And they're horny as hell. <laughs> and so I mean, it's just like they just show up and just immediately coalesce on this guy. Could you imagine just like orbs? Like he's standing there taking pictures and the first thing they do is like gather in like a ball around his hand and next thing you know he goes to pull his arm away and his fucking hand is gone like you know like that's what i expected like almost like flying piranha like yeah that's what i was thinking they truncate parts of him and he's just got pieces of meat everywhere but now i mean it's essentially the same thing it's just one giant thing instead of a bunch of little things right and so I one mean, giant the god piranha. of all fireflies is definitely more cartoony than I mean than you know trying to I guess at least more scientifically accurately follow it. Um, what is what is a giant piranha but a shark? <laughs> this is true. Um, Hashtag deep. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna um, figure out what story you're reading next when you tell it to me. And then I will kill myself. <laughs> I'm gonna find... I'm looking right now. <laughs> You're gonna like my choice. Um, okay. What's her name? There... Nope, it's... There's something wrong with my parrot. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do anything. Oh, okay. I can share my I screen. Found it. I searched... Okay. I searched parrot. Okay. Uh, let me minimize that. Okay. And this is going to be our last story. I'm going to read this one. Um, 
Fuck yeah. It's called There's Something Wrong With My Parrot. And I think the reason I picked this is because you read something about fireflies and I want to read a stupid story. So I'm going <laughs> to read what I imagine is stupid. Yo, what if it's actually scary? This... Yo, if it's actually scary, hats off to this guy. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm reminded time and time again by Jamie, um, someone who listens to the show, um, that Unsettling Stories is all written by the same person. So It's good to know. Um, so there's something wrong with my parrot. I have an African gray parrot named Perry. He's been part of my family for 25 years. I've known him my whole life. When my parents were alive, they taught him a bunch of words and phrases and he'd always make us laugh. Lately though, <laughs> it just immediately makes me think of those parrot videos where they're like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> When <laughs> they're like, did you ever uh, see that text post from the guy who said that he taught his parrot, come at me, bro? So he would, like, <laughs> raise his arms and be like, come at me, bro! And the parrot would be like, come at me, bro! With its, like, arm. <laughs> and it would, it would flail its wings, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lately, though, <laughs> he's been saying things we never taught him. <laughs> Certainly not things we'd ever say, either. Nancy, my wife, was in the kitchen with her friends the other day when they all heard Perry squawk. It bathes in tears and rains beneath our feet. Oh. <laughs> they all laughed and wondered what the hell I could have been watching on TV for the bird to pick up a phrase like that. <clears throat> they continued their lunch, but ten minutes later, Perry started again. It rains beneath our feet. It rains beneath our feet. It rains beneath our feet and it's not rains like like rain coming from the sky people i need to i need to signify that the, that is rain <laughs> as in king as in ownership as in over uh -huh. a kingdom as a king owns he rain he reigns over a king rains <laughs> thanks <laughs> it doesn't carry over <laughs> no it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> then he squawked and screamed and rattled his cage so hard that he almost fell off the table. Nancy checked to see if he was okay, and he chirped and allowed her to stroke his head with her finger. He seemed no worse for Royer. That night after I'd gotten home and Nancy had told me about Perry's weirdness, I let him out of the cage to fly around the house. He was always well-behaved and never knocked anything off the shelves or shit on things we cared about. He stepped out of the cage and onto the table, but he didn't take off. He just stood there looking around. The least ahead, realistic Barry. part. <laughs> the least realistic part of the story is that they have a bird that doesn't shit on things that they care about. That just totally ruined right. it. Continue. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. No, my friend and my grandparents had parrots, so <laughs> we I had a understand. cockatiel, and it just—they be shitting. They just be shitting. <laughs> they just be shitting. Go ahead, Perry, I coaxed. Go get some exercise. And he remained stationary, and he watched me, the pupils wide in his beige eyes. You okay, buddy? I asked. I was concerned for the little guy. He'd always been in great health and never acted weird. This was entirely unlike him. Perry cocked his head and stared into my eyes, and for some reason I felt a chill run down my spine even before he spoke. Almost like I knew he was about to frighten me. 
In a deep tone I'd never heard from him in all of my years, he uttered, Beneath your feet. Something knocked on the door. Something, nope. Something knocked on the floor directly below where I was standing, and I jumped about a mile and stepped away from the bird, who hadn't moved. Still beneath your feet, he said. The knock came again. It was a hundred times louder and so powerful my ankle twisted underneath me and I fell sideways onto the couch. The floorboards where I'd been standing bulged upward. One had cracked. Nancy came running downstairs asking what the hell was that. I told her to go into the kitchen and call the police. Someone was in the cellar. Nancy and I waited by the door for the police to arrive. They got there quickly. We let them in, and they went into the basement. A couple minutes later, they came back and said, No one's there. Wait, then what? The older cop cut us off. Can you look at something with us? Okay, Nancy said, but what is it? Just come downstairs. We followed the cops into the basement. Neither Nancy or I go down there very often. I was a little embarrassed by how gross and dusty it was until I saw the marks in the dust-covered floor and countertops. Are those footprints? I asked, more to myself than anyone around. That's what we thought, said the younger officer, but they look pretty weird for footprints. We got to the part of the cellar that was under where I'd been standing. The cops aimed their flashlights at the wood above our heads. An indentation was clearly visible. It almost looked like a punch, but the shape wasn't of any hand we'd ever seen. It looked like it had too many knuckles, too many bones. Too many of anything what? is bad. <laughs> right. It's not Wrong. good. No. What the hell? I traced my finger over the indentations. I shivered. Upstairs, Perry became... Uh, upstairs, Perry squawked. The floorboards around the indentation began to leak. Liquid dripped into my mouth and I sputtered. It was salty and reminded me of the taste you get after crying for a long time. Did something spill upstairs? The older cop asked. Yeah, maybe the bird knocked something over. Is that him making all that noise? I nodded. He's been weird all day. We headed back upstairs and the cops told us to call if we had any other concerns about someone being in the house. Nancy and I thanked them and they left. I stared at the damage to the living room floor. Perry hadn't knocked anything over, but there was a small puddle on the wood. He'd gone back into his cage and sat in the corner, quietly clucking. I approached the cage and there were little wet footprints around it. They were his prints. It looked like he might have lapped up some of the water that had been on the floor while we were in the cellar. What's going on, bud? You having a rough day? I tried not to think about what had happened. There had to be a reason for it. Maybe the wood had warped. The basement's always been damp and gross. That had to have been it. The wood warped and the trapped moisture was dripping out of the fracture point. But then there was Perry. Perry stared at the bottom of the cage, still clucking. He didn't look up. I reached out to pet his head, but he struck my finger with his beak. Not hard enough to do any damage, but with enough force to let me know that he didn't want any of my affection. 
I looked at my pet with sympathy, wondering if he was just getting old and losing his mind. He remained in the corner, trembling slightly. Something caught my eye. There was red on the cage where he was sitting. I looked closer, and it was blood. What happened, Perry? I asked, and before... And I reached inside to pick him up, knowing I was in for a pecking. And before I could grab him, he spoke in the same chilling voice. It will bathe in blood and claim the sky. He paused, then slowly spoke. Twenty. Seven. Days. I picked up my bird to see how badly he was hurt, and I fucking chucked him at the wall because now he's saying some satanic now shit he's that saying I don't some like. Sh- We're having parrot tonight, Nance. <laughs> <laughs> Before I could assess his wound, I saw what was in the corner where he was sitting. Something entirely unexpected. Perry, my male African gray parrot, had been sitting on a bloody black egg. It's been 24 hours since all this started. Perry seems no worse for wear, but he fights whenever we try to pick him up. He does everything he can to remain by the egg. I don't know what's happening to him, and I have no idea what he means with any of the stuff he's been saying. Whenever he talks now, it's just 26 days, followed by the word hours. The number of hours keeps going down, and I I haven't heard it, but Nancy swears she hears soft knocking coming from the basement each time Perry makes his announcements. Poor Perry. Perry is the fucking harbinger of the apocalypse. <laughs> I fucking knew it. The harbinger of the apocalypse is a goddamn African gray. That makes sense. Nah, man, that you know sense. what? I'm gonna say I fucked myself on that story. You you warned me that it might actually end up being something scary, and it actually <laughs> did freak me out. I was it about made to me say. Think, it made me think, like, what if I did own a parrot? And really, what if it did started spouting freaky shit? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how scary a fucking parrot could be under the wrong circumstances? Uh-huh. I was just, like... <clears throat> Listen, I had a bird. I was just like, yo, if my bird started fucking saying that shit, I was like, mm, 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 mm. I put it down. I put it in a sock, throw it against a wall. It's also also like, you know, it's your pet, right? You don't want to think of your pets, like, turning against you because you love them. Yeah, but my dog's not going to start talking about fucking (laughs) Satan in the basement. Yo, but what if it did? My dog's going to be like... More food, please. Your dog's gonna give birth to Cerberus. (laughs) Your dog's gonna be like, surprise, it is I, Cerberus, and I will open (laughs) the gates to Hades and all shall perish. It would be funnier. Nah, see, like, the dog we own now is just such a fucking louse. If if you had told me my last dog, (laughs) my Shiba Inu, was the fucking, uh, the fucking harbinger of the apocalypse, it would have been hilarious to imagine. Like, yes. Only time will tell until my day has come. <laughs> you like the voice coming out of my dog. <clears throat> I just like... <sighs> I don't know. I just... I keep thinking. Because, like, all of my cats are kind of, like, 
lazy bastards generally. So I don't know, just kind of imagining them doing evil things is hilarious to me because like they just I don't think they'd be very good at it. You know? Like <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just yeah. picturing no, that's I'm, a given. I'm, I'm picturing them being like, mm, what's something evil we can do today? And one of them's like, I <laughs> shall swat at her legs while she walks down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is delightfully evil. What about you? <laughs> Me, I know. Me, when she's trying to sleep, I'll eat her hair. <laughs> yes, and you. Yes, that sounds, that sounds <laughs> wonderfully evil. Delightfully vile. And for you, I know, I'll eat all my food so fast that I'll trick her into feeding us twice. <laughs> and then oh, throw it up. Gluttonous. <laughs> And then get sick from all the food I eat. And I'll throw up on oh, the that's carpet. that's doubly evil, brother. Doubly evil. <laughs> and then I will throw up on the carpet one inch away from the hard wood. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I can. Oh. Masterful, oh, you... brother. Masterful. <laughs> so terrible. They're all like... like fucking circling me right now like little they're all fucking, judging like, you right now they're like we do not have conversations <laughs> yeah, like that okay damn my boy just yelled at me so i think he's offended <laughs> he never yells <laughs> i hear you talking shit come here you why are you yelling <laughs> you've already been they're fed. so vocal yeah see he's usually not he's the big guy too and he sounds like a baby what's wrong with you yeah, you're fine. It's like, I, it's just, Most they're always like, something's cats. wrong. And you're like, what's wrong? And they're like, thank you. They're like, Everything. something's wrong. <laughs> I are don't know t- what. Can, Cannibal Siren, are you telling me that your cats are also having existential crises? <laughs> Literally, I wake up in the morning and I'm staring into space with my coffee like, wow, someday I'm going to die. What's that gonna be like? And then meanwhile, my cat is just like screaming, and he's like, he's like, life meanwhile, is meaningless. Meanwhile, in another room, your cat is just like, <laughs> my cat is like, God is dead. Like, you have another cat that's just like, life is meaningless. <laughs> there's nothing to live for. And then I open the food bag and they're like, oh wait, there's one thing to live for. Everything, everything, <laughs> everything, everything. See, this makes me sound like I have 50 cats. And I would like to clarify, I have only three. <laughs> just, <laughs> I have just only three. Only three. Yes, just to make sure the whole crazy cat lady thing doesn't Every go Every time far. I see a cat, I want my own cat, but I can't pull the trigger because I'm bad with commitment. Well, my mom has a litter of kittens that was just born in her AC unit, so if you want one, (laughs) I'll drive down and then just throw it outside your house, and then you won't have a choice. (laughs) I was going to say, what's the shipping rate from from the Carolinas? Uh, what is it? He doesn't know. Next holiday that you go down there? (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say. The shipping rate is a box of those rainbow goldfish. Wait till wait till December. God damn, I love that shit. Rainbow goldfish, not uh, pandemics preventing me from seeing my family. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> no, I knew that. 
I knew okay, the answer good, good. to that one. Good, good. Um, I just wanted to make sure. So this has been a fun little, uh, fun little ditty with Cannibal Siren. Yeah, really, it really has been. How do you feel about today's stories? I felt pretty good, actually. I definitely think it was like, like we read more good ones than bad ones, you know? Like there was only, the only one that I thought was like, nah, was actually the Fireflies one. And that was just purely because they chose a giant firefly. If they had chosen pretty much anything else, I think it would have been cool. <laughs> you just can't imagine God Firefly coming down and being like, Hello, human. <laughs> and then yeah, see, throwing up ex- immediately. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because that's what I do imagine, is God Firefly being like, Hello, human. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like a Rick and Morty... Yeah, so like exactly. It just, it just flies down immediately, squashes Phil, and it's just like, hello. <laughs> immediately <laughs> starts of, disintegrating him. I was thinking of that, like, sun thing. And he's like, show me what you got <laughs> with, like, the orbs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, let us dance for the giant god firefly. But even the parrot story, I thought that was going to be dumb, but it actually wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, they worked. They worked it in a way that I actually had thought of before, which is as I was reading it, I was like, fuck, I've heard of this before. I've actually like, I don't know when, but um, I went to a party. So like I don't know if it was a Halloween party or if it was just a summer party or something, but mm-hmm. we were always watching um, Mystery Science Theater at this yeah. kid's house. Oh, and, I fucking love um, Mystery Science Theater. And he had a parrot, and it just mm-hmm. always flew around. It was always sitting on his shoulder, and like he would. The only thing he would say is, "Don't let it near like your limbs, because then that means that it's gonna poop somewhere. Like if it lands on your forearm." It'll it's, just shit it's everywhere. To find so- it's trying to find somewhere, like, with l- less, like, splatter. Like, it ah. doesn't want to get poop on itself. It's going to poop somewhere. Like, oh, it likes to find a low-hanging, like, branch. So arms are a good substitute. If it's on your shoulder, it's not going to shit down your back. It's looking for somewhere to go poop. Right. Um, it will Damn, shit our- all over your hand. <laughs> I, I was remember to say- it shitting on my hand. Damn, our fucking cockatiel would just shit all over you. It would be on your back and it would shit all down your back. She'd sit on, like, our laptops, like, on the top of the screen, and just shit right down the screen in front of you, whatever you were That's watching. awful. That's she's fucking a, awful. She's really cute, but she's a bastard. Say hi. <laughs> Say hi. And Are you done I remember someone... Look at the pretty kitty. He's so I cute. remember someone saying, like... Has has your has your par- like, of course it said funny things, like mm-hmm. I think it I think it was trained to say something like, beer time or like, <laughs> time for a beer, it'd just be like time for a beer, time for a beer, and I remember someone just being like, has this parrot ever said anything weird, and he's just like, honestly the weirdest thing it does is say like ramble jargon sentences that don't make sense of like words it knows so it would be like so it would be like like maybe a direction a color and an object and it would just be like red chair down red chair down and like it would just repeat it like like several thousand times 
long enough for you to think that it might mean something. Exactly. So he was just like, that's honestly the creepiest thing it does. Is it just like, sometimes it makes me think that it's seeing something that I'm not. (laughs) And I'm just like, I'm like, that's pretty fucked up. I wouldn't like that. I (laughs) wouldn't wouldn't like that. that. Could you imagine I, it being like black door open, black door open, and I'd be like, no, no, thank you. No, I'd be thanks. like, it's just Close actually, the there's no black doors that will be open ever. There thank is you, goodbye. No black door, and no. it is closed. <laughs> it is closed as fuck. For and it business, there is no be. doorknob. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been a this has been a solid fucking episode. I think this went well. I think we did a good job. It was a good idea, Siren. Thank you. I have at least two good ideas. That was one of them, so now I have to save the other one for when I really need it. What's the other idea? Shh. Are you going to keep it in your back pocket? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. For when I really need it. I'm just kidding. The other good idea is (laughs) eating until I pass out. (laughs) And then waking up and eating again. Until I pass out again. And then continue to do that. Thank you. Now everyone's going to steal my fucking idea. Because <laughs> no one else is doing that in quarantine. <laughs> Honestly, my days are blurring together. Oh my god. I have what day no is it? fucking idea what day it is. And I do, I still work from home and everything. So I do, I know that I either have to work or I don't have to work. And like, that's about it. That's as far as my distinction goes. Um, And even then, it gets a little fucky. I have my phone set up on a schedule that um, it refreshes the alarm every like 24 hours. And it it is set to... um, sleep days and not sleep days and sleep days are the weekend where i get to there is no alarm set and i will sleep to 1 p.m because i am emotionally exhausted (laughs) i think that's valid Um, I i spend my days off sleeping because i do not get enough of it during the week that's valid. I am a known insomniac, but I actually recently started new antidepressants, so now I've been sleeping, da, 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 da. which is very exciting. So I'm like... Congratulations! I miss sleep, honestly. I also have missed it so much. Like, last night I slept, like, so much, and I woke up, like, right before my alarm, and then I actually could go back to sleep. And I did. I like those days. Those are good days. Yeah, it's like... I think I did something similar this morning. I think I woke up around like 8.30 and I was like wide awake and I was like, nah, you know what? Back to bed. Get another hour in there. Exactly. It was was 7.15 and I was supposed to get up at 8.15 and I was like, fuck no. It's not like I have anywhere to to go, am I right? (laughs) I think we're all guilty of waking up. For example, you have to start, go to a morning meeting at 9, so you wake up at 8.55 and and then I have, back here, I have, that's a towel, but I have a couple of hanging uh, emergency work sweaters. So I can just Fantastic. throw one of those, throw one of those shits on, and then I'm just sitting there like, haha, it's I at the meeting, awake, 
And I was not asleep five and minutes ago. And looking competent. Hello, I am work adult. I am Hello. here to adult work. Oh my god, I know. I'm like the youngest person at my new company. So it just like... <laughs> It fucks me up because, like, you know, some of these people have been doing this forever. (laughs) And so they just show up in a fucking t-shirt. I watched a lady text the entire Zoom call the other day. Like, dead ass. She had her phone. It was literally right here. And she was just texting the whole time. She didn't give a fuck. She was like, she was like, what are you going to do? Nothing. She was in her kitchen. She didn't give a fuck. And I'm sitting there, like, with my phone, like, in my lap, trying to, like, you know, be like, Call. Yeah. All subtle and shit and this fucking lady's just like ah. why yes Cassandra I'd love to join your virtual soccer mom meeting <laughs> I'd bring the lemon squares oh. just so they'd be better than yours but alas we are virtual so you'll have to understand that I'm better than you from a distance <laughs> we are getting a glimpse into Cannibal Siren's life <laughs> It's just cats and uh, some insomnia and sugary wine and working a job that (laughs) I am... Sugary wine. Sugary wine and working a job that I am not qualified for at all. (laughs) (laughs) But we're Project Runway making it work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's amazing. Thanks. I uh, I think uh, I think that's that's a good lesson for all the listeners out there. Uh, I think we all just got to make this shit work. Everyone, hang in there. Stick yes. uh, stick to what you're doing. Um, I was I was told by several people this week that they are happy that I'm releasing episodes at a time like this because they're they're listening and mm. they're they're happy to listen. And I want to thank everyone for that. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I also want to plug uh, the movie Underwater, um, starring Kristen. Uh, I think it's Kristen Stewart, and um, it's it's a really phenomenal movie that takes a Lovecraftian third act twist. So if anyone, okay. I have to feature it on a Cannibal Siren episode because you are from the depths of the ocean yourself. Um, a Lovecraftian sea beast. And, As God um, intended, or didn't, <laughs> depending on who you ask. And uh, I'm not even like I'm not even gonna worry about mentioning um, because it's been out for a little bit. But like spoilers, the monster at the end of the movie is literally fucking Cthulhu, and it's fucking awesome. So everyone, go watch or pay for to rent on video on demand because it was like surprisingly like one of the highest grossing movies mm-hmm. of this year before the shutdown underwater 2020 starring Kristen Stewart. Uh, right. Really, really solid uh, creature feature flick. Um, but anyway, um, that yeah. was my, that was my two cents last second plug. Um, Camel Siren, do you have any, any final words? Um, Thank you for caring enough so uh, to let us keep doing this because I really fucking enjoy it. And <laughs> listen, if I had <laughs> zero listeners, I'd still do this. <laughs> I know. I mean, same. It just makes it a little more validating to have people who give a shit besides who actually us. care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am. I am right there with you. I'm amazed and by it. 
I think my only other thing that I have to say is that everything is a lie. So just get really good at lying and have fun doing it. Meow. (laughs) (laughs) Your cat wanted something to say. It had something to say at that moment. These motherfuckers always have something to say. Are you asking for my opinion? Here, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Meow, 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 meow. Give us your opinion. Thank you. As a final, a final goodbye. My... Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> Any... <laughs> she keep, just keeps going. I'm sorry. He's usually not the annoying one either. I don't know what's wrong with him. It's hilarious. Uh, what, what, uh, do, do you have any other final words other than thanking everyone? Nope, I'm good. Besides this, you know, shitting. Your cats are adorable. So, uh, I hope everyone has a a good night. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Uh, We will have cannibals. If the quarantine continues, we'll have cannibal siren back sooner rather than later. uh, Because I need people with good quality microphones who could record online whenever I ask them to. That's me. And that's you apply to that demographic. Um,. So this has been Lots of Pasta episode 161. Uh, stay spooky. Wait till the days end when the moon is high.